Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. Before we get started with this week's show, I have to give a huge shout out to my much-loved sponsor of this episode, the brilliant Ready, Set, Jet. Now, this brand is a must in my makeup bag, and I genuinely love their vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, gluten-free, environmentally conscious, I mean, oh my lanta, it is the good stuff for you, especially their beauty batons that do everything I need, cleanse, hydrate, and deliver full face, buildable color, essential for all of us mama bears, right? I'm a great friend with Ready, Set, Jet founder, Shalina Videra, and when I told her about this podcast and my beautiful listeners, she was so excited to create a partnership and get involved, as the brand's mission is to meet more women where they are in their motherhood journey and enrich their busy lives with versatile makeup that delivers beauty that moves with you. And this really does exactly that. So you can now discover why I'm such a super fan of Ready, Set, Jet. These products are epic. So they've created a fab listener deal. And now are you ready? They are going to give all of you busy mumsy listeners a fab 30% off their amazing beauty batons, which are three skincare and makeup sticks that can replace your whole makeup bag. Trust me, busy mumsies, you will love these. Head to the link in the show notes right now and don't forget to use the listener only code busy30. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0. Oh my gosh. Another song just started playing. It's B-I-N-G-O-B-I. Okay, so so let, let's rewind it and let's do this right. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0. Get that discount. Oh my, you're gonna love that 30% off. Yes! See? I know. I got you. I am your hype girl. See how Ready, Set, Jet's amazing range can inspire you to live in your skin and transform the world. Now on with the show. Friends, Ashley here, and it's time for another busy mumsy chat. Today we are connecting with a smiling Canadian, Nikki Bergen. Now, Nikki is a capital E in expert when it comes to pre-postnatal care, and she is a very busy mumsy to two little kiddos. I am so excited for this lovely chat, so let's go. Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Nikki Bergen. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to chat. I am so thrilled that you said yes without knowing me at all. So so I appreciate you putting some trust in me and coming on board for a busy mumsy chat. So I would love for you to just share pre-Nikki Bergen with children. I would just love for you to share your background, who you are, where you're from. 
Sure. Okay. So for context, um, I am 40. So I've had a long life before I had kids. I had kids a bit late at 36 and 38. So there's a lot we to talk so about. Old. We are so old. <laughs> I'm 41. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. We're the exact same age, pretty much. And yeah, having yeah. kids in my late 30s allowed me to have a lot of stuff happen before I had those children. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I'm from Toronto, Canada. Um, my background is, I mean, I don't know which way you want me to go with this. I can talk about the things I used to do for fun before children and before a pandemic, or we can talk about, (laughs) are you talking about there was fun before children? It's fun now, Nikki. (laughs) Aren't you discoing every night? I know, right? Um, well, that oh, was, there was a time. Oh, there yeah, was a time. When you wore high heels, Nikki, and washed your hair and didn't worry about what time you came home. When was that? <laughs> um, at least about, I'd say, five, six years ago. But that probably even longer, to be honest. But it's, you know, who's keeping track? Um, I'm a Pilates instructor. I am someone who discovered movement in my early 20s due to a knee injury. Um, I was a dancer. I was teaching and performing and I injured my knee when I was in my mid-20s and discovered Pilates, fell in love with it. And I was like, God, this stuff is magic. I really I want to do more. And so that's kind of how I fell into it. But the interesting part that a lot of people don't realize probably is that I took, it was a long time before I actually accepted the fact that I wanted to be a movement professional, like do it as a job because I, I didn't really, it wasn't like one of those people that studied dance throughout, you know, I danced, but I wasn't going to be like on Broadway. I wasn't going to be a professional dancer um, in that level. And so I, I ended up going to school. I did a university degree. I did a Bachelor of Commerce. I majored in marketing and psychology. Like I got my my letters behind my name, so to speak. And then I was like, I don't want to go be a brand manager at Procter & Gamble and sell Dove soap or like Unilever or whatever. Like I want to go and move my body. <laughs> like it was just, and people around me were like, you know, my, my friends were all going and getting their internships and working for the large corporations and the, you know, conglomerates. And I was like, I'm going to go move to Cancun and take a job at Club Med teaching salsa. And that's what I did. It always wins. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the dance world and pa- I, I'm a firm believer of, of passion wins. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a definitely a move that not everybody understood, but you know, I, a lot of people did. So, you know, and understandably, like you never take a break off. I, you know, basically I'm 21 years old. I've only ever done school you know, and I danced recreationally and enjoyed it and was good at it, but it was never like, you're going to go be a prima ballerina. Like that just wasn't going to be what I did. And I knew that I wasn't, and I don't think I was at that level. Um, I just did it because I loved it and I was good at it. But I also knew that like, I wanted to be quote unquote practical and responsible and find a career with longevity, you know, and then come 21 years old with my degree, I was like, now I'm going to just take a year and do what I want to do. And then discovered, you know, got the job teaching and performing and, you know, ended up going back to school after that little blip of my time in Mexico, about a year, six months in Mexico, came back, did a postgrad in journalism, more school, right? Because I'm like, I know I don't want to be, you know, the the brand manager at Craft, so I'm going to go back to school because I don't know what I want to do yet. I knew what I wanted to do the whole time, which was be in movement and, and dance and Pilates and whatnot. I just didn't 
know how to get there. And so I went back to school. (laughs) So finally, I'd say around 26, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. So, you know, it it took a little while. I had a bit of a quarter life crisis, as I think a lot of people do, trying to figure out what they want to do. But I've never looked back. So at 26, is um, you then were finally accredited with all of your Pilates background and, and certified and then into teaching? Or is that when you started the journey? Um, I started it. It took me about a year to finish my certification. So that was in, oh, I believe, 07. So yeah, 26. And uh, and yeah, was it 26? 20? I can't remember. Don't make me do the math. Yeah, it's about there. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And never ask any mother to do math. I know. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. It was about there. And so people are always like, well, you know, how did, cause I've obviously started talking about pelvic floors long before I had any kids myself or issues with my own pelvic floor. And I find that that's probably takes people by surprise because most people get into this field of Pilates and pelvic health when they experience motherhood themselves. Um, and I was the opposite. I was like, there's an unmet need. I want to help women. And and I recognized it because I was teaching so many women that were older than me who were sharing with me issues that they were having. And I realized that there was a gap in the marketplace. <laughs> and I really also was passionate about helping them. And so I, I'm, I will have to just kind of piggyback off of um, you just touched on the pelvic floor. There is, and we will get into it, the, a, a greater reason of me reaching out to you to be on the Busy Mumsy channel because you have helped me. You don't even know this. You have helped me in so many ways. Oh, I'm happy to hear with, that. With my journey of figuring out my pelvic floor. Yeah. And as a fitness instructor, as a owner of a business, and that that's the bread and butter of what you do, mm-hmm. um, it's very hard to teach your, yourself something, but to have someone give the knowledge and the constant, like going over, going over, going over. It, uh, for me, I just work that way. I need someone to teach me, to empower me. Um, and honestly, two years ago, after I had Adia, I was in a mess Mm -hmm. and like most women don't know what to do at all. And a client of mine that went to high school with you, Nikki. (laughs) Oh, really? Who was that? That's so funny. She's, you know what? I will mess. I I will, I will let you know after the recording, but she doesn't, she's not really like public stuff like this, but um, (laughs) a a client of mine, I I was sharing my struggles. I was absolutely sharing what I was going through during this PT session with her. And um, while I was torturing her and, Mm -hmm, (laughs) and I, I was like, I'm really struggling. She's like, Oh my gosh, I went to to high school with this girl (laughs) named Nikki. You should her social media. I'm not kidding you. I have been following you for two years. You have created the bell method, which is what you were just about to get into, start talking about. And I have just hijacked this, Nikki. I have hijacked (laughs) the conversation because I think it's important to to know. And I want to get into the, I want you to get into the nitty gritty of the pelvic floor and the importance and the, just like, Give us the knowledge. I mean, you already have it on your Instagram of, with the at the Bell Method, um, but I just want to hear. I, I, as you have already said, you started first, didn't even have kids, and just mm-hmm. realized you were having your own issues yourself. But please just share your journey of 
of becoming the master and really like holding out the microphone, if you will, about educating mm-hmm. everyone about, because it includes men as well. Yeah. Know, educating about your pelvic floor. I will ha- happily talk about that, but I am also curious about what your issues were, if you don't mind telling me, because well, we drive to kind of, like, kind of give more context. I, I mean, I, well, I had the very early onset of SP, SPV. Is that, SPD, is that- yeah. Symphysis pubis dysfunction. Yeah. Pel- yeah. Basically like pubic bone pain. Yeah. So that was at 20 weeks. Okay. And my gait by the end of the day, walking was mm-hmm. like, I mean, my husband was ready to kill me with the Ubers um, <laughs> early on. I mean, I, I was just overworked and not take, I was not taking care of myself. And I think um, in learning to breathe properly through yeah. pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, you know, I probably, I, you know, pre, pre-pregnancy, I definitely was a bad breather. I, like and a I'm, dancer that's yeah. dancers are notorious for sucking in and only breathing up because you want to like keep the aesthetic of a flat midsection, right? Right. So I, I, I definitely didn't have my, and I, and I've done the education and pronatal fitness and like I've gone down the roots of, you know, getting the certifications and everything. But like I said, you can only do so much. And then when you're put in front of a platform like yours, you, I was just able to learn and to dive in. Awesome. That makes me happy to hear that. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've taken a lot of certifications and a lot of them are really shitty. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they are. It's like name a few and then Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're like, that was how much money that I just spent on that? Like, really? Um, yeah, no, there there's a lot of outdated information and a lot of stuff like for example i did one cert that was literally all about like heart rate and like most important takeaway was that you need to just keep your pregnant client under a certain heart rate and i was like you know how outdated that study is it's so outdated <laughs> you know and so much is individual variability and you know and then the pendulum has swung from so i don't know how much your listeners know about something called diastasis recti also sometimes pronounced as diastasis rectus abdominis basically the oh, that was a really good american accent thank you very diastasis. much diastasis yeah diastasis <laughs> recti yeah, yeah well, tomato tomato but basically it's it's when your abdominals are stretched and thinned and t- to make room for the growing baby. So essentially you get a bit of separation in the midline, that vertical midline of your six pack muscle and everyone's going to get it. It's just a question of to what degree, um, you know, for, for example, if you are pregnant with twins, you're going to have more than someone who's pregnant with just a single baby. If you know, you, have it's partly genetic, right? It's also, you know, if you strain a lot when you're going to the bathroom, like those are risk factors to making it worse, right? Every time you're, if you're constipating pregnancy, if you're doing a lot of like the incorrect type of exercises in pregnancy, if you're breathing incorrectly, um, in it, anecdotally, I've noticed that women who have shorter torsos, so if you're five feet tall and you don't have much space between your ribs and your hips, you're going to show sooner in that pregnancy because there's less vertical room, right? So the baby's right. going to have to like pop out earlier. I find anecdotally um, that women who have a shorter torso also sometimes deal with more severe cases of diastasis. So there's a lot to know, but we used to be like, you know, crunches are forever forbidden. You can't do planks. This is what you can't do. And all obsessed with lists of what's safe and what is not safe. And the end result of that was a lot of fear 
And so people were like, oh, you know, my abs have split apart. I like, I've completely ruined my body. I'll never get my core back. Or, and then this feeling of like, well, I can't do that. Do you have a modification? I can't do that. So they'd come to these classes postpartum, you know, imagine you're teaching. And I don't know if you've experienced this, a postpartum mom being like, is this safe? You know, and like, she's just afraid to move her body, right? They're like, is this safe? I can't do it. I can't do it. And you're just like, let me show you how you can do it. I want to teach you how to get confident again in your body. You're not broken. There's so much that we can do both in pregnancy proactively, but also postpartum. We needed to step away from this fear and this like, oh, well, that's not safe. And that's not safe. You know, it's so disempowering to think of it like that. Yeah, I I do feel that once you fall pregnant, the kind of the support of like you just have, I, I feel like everyone just thinks you just take everything away. Like there is no need for movement. There is no need mm. like for that self care to allow the child to go, to grow strongly within you. I mean, go back to heart health. I mean, how important is your cardio during your pregnancy? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. No, I mean, not, I, I, I'm trying to find a better adjective. It's not funny, but basically I see this pattern of people often who, it's sort of like on either ends of the spectrum, someone who's never worked out a day in their life and then they get pregnant and they're like, shit, I know I'm supposed to work out. I've heard that I'm supposed to work out. Now I want to go start working out. And it's hard for them because, you know, they've never worked out. And not only do they not have good maybe body awareness, but then when you're pregnant, your whole center of gravity shifts and you're completely discombobulated. So then I've got that on one end of the spectrum. And then you've got the person who's been like super fit and like their whole life and then they get pregnant and then they don't want to modify anything. So there's a bit of an ego. It's like, well, I'm strong. I can continue to do these things. Look, I'm, you know, 35 weeks pregnant. Look at me holding my awesome full plank. And I'm like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> so, you know, like why, right? We we want to do, we want to train specifically in pregnancy. It's like training for a specific event. The event is birth right? It's like training for a specific sport or a marathon. You're training specifically for that particular event. There is a particular way to train that, yeah, it's a very challenging workout, but you're going to be reducing the pressure on your pelvic floor. You're going to be reducing that strain on your connective tissue so you don't get worse diastasis recti than you need to, you know? Absolutely. And then after you have the baby, working, you know, that connectivity to your pelvic floor again. Um, do you feel that there is enough knowledge out there through the hospitals when you are discharged? I think you know the answer to that. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's a really great rhetorical question. <laughs> I want you to share more because sometimes you just feel like if, if you're like one person just kind of like shouting it, like no one listens. But yeah. when you have like more and more people saying fundamentally, yeah. We need more help. We meet, we need more awareness. Maybe it will happen. Yeah, it's true. It's funny. Like, I, I mean, I, I post about this a lot and it, it's, it's very, it's really disheartening when you hear the stories of women who have fallen through the cracks postpartum, you know, like the stories that I hear on a literally daily basis are it's such an indication that we have work to do to improve women's health. And it's, it feels sexist to me. It feels very 
like, you know, we've got to break down the patriarchy in medicine because, you know, even women's pain, you know, it's, it's under, it's, it's sort of disregarded. Um, I can speak to that because I went through IVF and fertility treatments. And to some extent, you know, that was certainly a lot harder than giving birth. So just dealing with, with all this stuff, and it's almost like you're not believed when people talk, we talk about endometriosis and how, you know, people complaining of bad periods. Oh, it's just a bad period. Well, no, actually it's like tissue growing outside my uterus that's like wrapping around my bowel and I'm having just complete terrible pain and it's like completely debilitating. But it takes on average 10 years for women to be finally diagnosed with endometriosis, for example, right? And so this is just one, that's one tiny little example of, I think, the the way that women's health isn't really prioritized. And that also is related to pelvic floor health, right? It's this idea of like you you know, you have a, an injury to your pelvic floor. So either way the baby comes out, there's an injury, you know, whether it's a cesarean birth or, you know, a vaginal birth, either way, you're going to need to do some rehab. <laughs> and so we need more guidance on that. And, you know, we're having kids later. I'm perfect example of that. And, you know, we were really biologically meant to have kids at like, what, 18? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> so we're going to, you know, it's, arguably going to be potentially a little bit more work to rehab your body. So we need more guidance. We do. We need more follow-up, you know, stories of women getting episiotomies and then them getting infected and then tissue granulation and then all these things that, you know, or, oh, you're fine or you're peeing your pants. Oh, it's normal to use a pad or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Blood so, flashbacks of 2020. Right. Oh no. So yeah, this is the thing. I don't know if you experienced it, but it's this whole idea that like, oh, well, you're a mother now. You just need to suck, suck it up. How's the baby? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I, I can vividly remember those days and in lockdown and going through countless pads and would be trying to teach and have oh. not worked on myself at all because I, as you, you have your business owner and you yeah. know, 2020 was, <laughs> oh. and anyone that had any sort of physical space they were going to, to train clients, to physically be with them had to be virtual. And I mean, for me, I was in survival mode. Yeah. So it was either Adia in my arms, on my hip and on my strapped onto my chest. And I, yeah, I was, teaching and not taking care of myself and jumping and peeing. Oh, yeah. And, and so did you end up getting the referral that you needed or did you end up going? How did you find pelvic floor PT? How did you end up fixing that or you know, trying to? I, I wish that I, I, I honestly um, took guidance from your Instagram account <laughs> with the, the guidance of what I already knew through my own certifications that I've gone through. And, you know, I try, I try to commit once a week to just kind of like work on myself. Um, I shouldn't, I should have healed a lot faster than what I, than what happened for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I did not have a follow up, um, any sort of mm -hmm. care. But I understand the NHS was very overwhelmed and we were going through a global pandemic. So woe is me. Right. But, um, you know, I had to take the, the means that I had to, you know, just figure it out. Now, I, someone like yourself who is so educated, who teaches hundreds and hundreds of expecting moms and, mo you know, moms with multiple kids and, and they're figuring out their bodies again, you my lady, um, went through two rounds 
um, you have two children and both were IVF. Yeah. And I would just simply love to hear your story about your journey and what you went through because from someone who teaches and gives so much and you're able, like this even goes back to me. I teach so much. I needed someone like yourself to kind of ground me again and get me back centered. So what I would love for you to share your story of IVF and what, what was it that grounded you that kept you so head like strong and able to get through your journey? Oh, thank you for that. Um, okay. Yeah. IVF is a, is a mind fuck. <laughs> you said I could swear on this podcast. Well, you're, you're talking about no, 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 <laughs> this is unapologetic truth. And let me tell you, I, I mean, if, yeah, I, 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 I have only read that IVF is the biggest mind fuck. So I'm, I'm all ears <laughs> to listen to your story. Okay. Well, I'm happy to talk about it. So essentially, um, gosh, there are so many reasons people have to go through fertility treatments. And I think that, and I will, I'll preface it by saying prior to going through it, I totally, totally, and I admit this reluctantly, I would have been one of those really annoying people that would have been like, well, you just need to just have more kale and do acupuncture and relax and then it'll happen. I would have been that annoying twit. But now I recognize how terrible that advice is and how it's just like, shut your trap. If you're going through, if someone in your life is going through fertility, do not offer unsolicited advice. Just listen to them, empathize, Try not to like say, Oh, I understand. She'd be like, Yeah, that's freaking shit. I'm so sorry you're going through that. You don't deserve that. You know, send them food. <laughs> Just tell them they're doing an amazing job. All of these things. And it, it really was, it knocked me off my ass in many ways, probably because, you know, literally in my circle of friends, I'm the healthiest person by a landslide. I am the person that's like, I go to the bar, I have one small glass of red wine and I wake up and I have my chia smoothies and my chia whatever and my health, you know, and here I am the one that has to go through IVF. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Meanwhile, my sister-in-law who smokes a pack a day gets pregnant in like a second. And so I'm just like, what? Yeah, it was very, it was like, it was like, you know, the universe knew that I needed this lesson in my life, I think. So I did it. And, um, and long story short, you know, they couldn't find anything wrong that you do a cycle monitoring thing um, where you go in and you get blood work every single morning and they put Wanda, the wand up your vagina to like measure your ovaries and your follicles. And it's a very invasive, time consuming, emotional procedure. And then they try to figure out, well, what's wrong? And they couldn't find anything wrong. So then they start testing the sperm and they're like, oh, we've got an issue here, but we still need to test you some more. And so they tested me some more and they did, um, they, they basically, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of us. They flush water up fluid through your tubes to see if your tubes are, you know, um, fallopian tubes are open or not. And they found a uterine polyp. And so I had to go and get a surgery, put you under general anesthesia and they basically go into your uterus and it's like, they cut out this, this unnecessary tissue in your uterus. That test is awful, by the way. Like, not yeah, it's it's terrible. I don't know if you've experienced it, Asano. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. and this is the thing too. Side note, they're like, oh, you might just want to take an Advil before, but it's a yeah. relatively painful procedure. I was writhing, not to freak anybody out who has to go through this. Some people don't have this issue, but a lot of us do, and and I felt pretty violated. 
So my busy mumsies, as you know from listening to the show, the whole concept of this podcast was to give you a moment to take a break and let you hear the lessons and learnings from other great mamas who are up to big things in the world and fabulous things. But of course, this show is also unapologetically about the ups and downs of parenting life. Not every day is all rainbows and unicorns. So when I do find something that I know can make a positive impact for you, I'm excited to share. And my sponsor of today's episode is definitely one of my secret hacks for making a positive impact on my day. Every Ready, Set, Jet product is formulated to be vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, gluten-free, environmentally conscious, and developed with love in Los Angeles. But the goodness that they put into the world isn't the only reason I love them. Their beauty batons are designed to be the ultimate on-the-go beauty essentials. They do everything. They cleanse, hydrate, and deliver full-face, buildable color. My beauty batons are almost as essential as my coffee, and let me just say, y'all know how important that coffee is to my life. Ready, Set, Jet is perfect for non-stop lifestyles and wanderlust travelers. Complements all skin tones and skin ages. Contains rich, high pigment color, meaning a little goes a long way. Is marine-powered skincare with antioxidants and youth restoring ingredients bring on the youth i tell you that's right my fellow mama bears i said it youth restoring can you see why i am so excited to share this with you so you can now discover why I am such a super fan of Ready Set Jets products. The team over there have created an exclusive deal just for Busy Mumsy podcast listeners. So when you click the link in the show notes right now, you can get 30% off their amazing beauty batons, which are three skincare and makeup sticks that can replace your entire makeup bag. Trust me, Busy Mumsies, you will love these. Head to the link in the show notes right now and don't forget to use the listener only code BUSY30. That's B-I-Z-Z-I-3-0 when you check out to get that 30% off. See how Ready, Set, Jet's amazing range can inspire you to live in your skin and transform the world. Now, on with the show. We did a couple IUIs. One worked, had a miscarriage, and then they were like, well, we're going to keep going with more IUIs. And I was like, I remember talking to a friend of mine who'd been through IVF, and I was like, what should I do next? Should I continue? Because IUI, it's a lot of time. And every morning you're going for blood work and I was it's rush hour and then you have to teach and you're on the subway and it's just like exhausting and you're so hopeful. And then there's this roller coaster of disappointment. And obviously IUI is a lot less invasive and it's also a lot cheaper. Basically, it's the turkey beast where they shoot the sperm up and they cross their fingers and go, well, you know, let's hope. And IVF is like, no, we're actually like in putting the sperm in a Petri dish with the egg. Like we have to surgically remove the eggs from your body. You have to take a bunch of drugs, shoot yourself up with needles for like a month beforehand. And it was like 20 grand. And I was like, okay, (laughs) so um, what do I do? And basically the chances of success if you do IVF in our case went from like, I think 15% of chance of success with an IUI to 60% chance of success. And I was like, I'm 35. Like, let's just bite the bullet. We were very lucky that we were able to afford. Not everybody obviously has that option. Um, So yeah, we just did it. And uh, we were very, very fortunate. Ended up um, getting two embryos out of it. And I have two children now. So... (laughs) Well, it's beautiful. 
Yeah, it was, it was a big, it was a big lesson, right? Like of, of just like, thou shall not speak on things thou dost not understand. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> right? Like, and now I've recognized, like, it's totally, it, it sh- shifted my entire approach. You know, I never now ever offer unsolicited advice to anybody unless they specifically request it of me, right? Like, it, and also, you know, back to your original question, how did I stay grounded through this? I didn't stay grounded at first, that's for sure. I was very, I started actually resenting my pregnant clients, which is a dangerous place to be when you've got clients who are there to trust you. And, and meanwhile, I'm like, God damn it, just stop complaining about your lower back. At least you're pregnant, right? Like that's what my internal dialogue would be until one day someone, you know, close to me wise said, Nikki, you need to take off your mask. And I was like, what is, what are you talking about? And then I realized like, wow, I actually am wearing a huge mask. I was hiding the fact that we were going through this. And one day after class, it was, you know, a Monday night. I always taught prenatal class in the studio on Monday night. And I was like shaking. I was so nervous, but I was like, no, I've got to do this. So I remember after class, as, as everyone was cooling down and stretching, I said to everybody, you know, I just want to share something with you all. And there was about a group of probably 20 pregnant women there. I said, you know, we're going through fertility treatments and I'm really hoping to be joining your journey soon. And I remember like choking back tears, shaking, like being so anxious to share. Cause I assumed like, I don't know, I didn't know what I, what reaction I would get, but anyways. And in that moment, it was like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. And I have to say probably a third of the class came up to me, gave me a hug and they shared their stories. Like, I had to go through, or I had three miscarriages, or my sister went through IVF, or we had to do IVF or IUI or whatever. And I realized like the story I was telling myself was that nobody else struggled. And then I realized as soon as I shared, it made it okay for other people to share. And we got rid of the shame and we were able to be vulnerable together. And it was just this moment, I get shivers actually. I'm getting shivers right now talking about it because it was so powerful. And it made me realize that when we start to talk about our challenges, that's how we can connect. That's how we can make change. And that's what I try to do on my Instagram platform now. And it's been, it's been really amazing. Oh, you're doing it beautifully. And, and the, the, the saying about how women need to suffer in silence is such bullshit. And to say off of that, when, you know, to create a busy mumsy platform like this to bring, you know, women, inspiring women like yourself onto the platform to be able to share. I mean, I can only imagine how many people that will be listening that will relate to exactly what you just said. And how, how much lighter do you feel from being able to share your experience of going through IVF? So much, so much lighter. And it wasn't even just that. Now it's like sharing about you're peeing your pants or you have prolapse, right? Like there's shame. People think, oh my God, I'm broken. My vagina's falling out. Like I'm not desirable anymore. It's just like, no, that's all just a terrible story you're telling yourself. This is very, very common. You know, up to 50% of women experience prolapse in their lifetime. You're not broken. There's so much we can do. You're not alone. There's no need to feel shame because when we feel embarrassment about something, we don't speak up. Then we feel isolated and then we don't, you know, we feel the shame cycle gets worse and worse and worse. And then we feel disconnected from each other and maybe jealous of each other because especially social media. And it's, it just sort of, we all live like in this place of comparing. And meanwhile, we have no idea that we're all going through so much of the similar shit. 
Massively. I mean, let's just really, um, you know, change this over to let's talk about sex, Nikki, and how <laughs> you feel after having a child and then figuring out your body and like, yeah, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, totally. The whole, the whole, the one thing that really gets me is that when people are get their six week postpartum quote unquote yeah. clearance, which is such yeah. a misnomer and they're like, okay, well, here's your script for birth control. Just use lots of lube. You should probably be on top. Maybe have a glass of wine to loosen up beforehand. And then there's this expectation that you need to go home that night and have sex when it's probably the last thing you feel like doing. And then sometimes your partner has that expectation of you, which doesn't help. And, and yeah, and then people don't talk about the fact that like, I'm terrified. A, I was terrified. Yeah. it's And I didn't have a vaginal birth. I did not. I did not. I had a cesarean. I was freaked out because literally I would either jump or walk and pee. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing too. A lot of people think that, you know, a cesarean birth is going to quote unquote save their vagina when it's like actually... It's difficult either way. You know, it's definitely not the easy way out. Major abdominal surgery. You're still likely to have pelvic floor issues. And I actually, I'll tell you a story because it's really relevant now. Um, a close friend of mine who happens to be a mentor of mine, who's a, a physiotherapist, a PhD, like she knows what she's going, she knows a lot of stuff. And, um, she had cesarean birth and she was having a lot of pain with sex after. And she's like, this doesn't make sense. Like I didn't have trauma to my, you know, vagina. Like, I don't know what's going on. And she ended up, she herself was a sport medicine physio at the time was going and to her doctor, her doctor's like, Oh, it's just hormones. You know, you're breastfeeding, whatever, you know, just, you know, maybe you should take some more extra lube, blah, blah, blah. Like nobody was getting to the root cause of the issue. Finally, this was back in 2012 when pelvic floor physiotherapy was relatively new. Um, Which is mind blowing because how long have we been having children? I know, right? It was like yeah, a decade ago. Like 10 years is really not that long. And nope. they were like, oh, let me. And she she discovered it. And she herself was a physio and didn't know about pelvic floor PT. Went to see a pelvic floor PT and they were like, you have major tension in your pelvic floor and you've got scar adhesions. So basically, as like a quick little analogy here, when you're having sex, your organs kind of need to slide out of the way. For example, like your uterus, things need to glide to make room for penetrative intercourse. And if you've had a C-section, you may experience adhesions, which is like basically your scar tissue can get sticky. So think about spider webs that kind of wrap around internally, right? So people don't realize that there's seven layers to a cesarean, right? So you've got a scar that's on your outside, but you also have a scar on your uterus because that uterus had to be cut open. And so the scar tissue on your uterus can get sticky so that when you're having sex, your uterus might not actually move out of the way. And it will be very painful because you're essentially like stuff, you're hitting stuff that normally you're not hitting. Um, and so, and so, yeah, you need to really work on reducing those scar adhesions. Why people are not educated on the benefits of scar massage after major abdominal surgery is a travesty because so many women are now having sex and it's painful and they think it's because they're frigid or because they need to use more lube and they're never getting, you know, help to address the root cause. I, I, I again, I'm, I mean, I'm having like, I go back to right when we first started having sex again and it was so painful. And again, it, it, that second glass of wine wasn't even going to help. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm sorry that you went through that. It is a very common thing. And, and I think, again, there is that feeling that women then blame themselves, right? There's, and it can affect so much. It can impact your relationship, how you see yourself as a woman, you know, and women are so embarrassed and it's just like, there's help. Like, it's not your fault. There's help. You don't have to suffer in silence. Absolutely not. For someone like yourself who advocates so strongly and passionately for women, what have you been doing for yourself to empower yourself mentally, especially um, after going through two rounds of IVF and having two glorious children? But, you know, that's not an easy thing to have gone through. And it's a beautiful thing that you have two healthy children, but there's trauma to that that you've gone through. Um, I honestly wouldn't label it as trauma for me. I don't know. I think trauma is really, it's such a, it's a big word these days. And I, I don't know, in terms of trauma, I think it was, I think, for example, you can have an unexpected scenario, be it an emergency cesarean, be it, you know, IVF that you weren't expecting. And I think it doesn't necessarily need to be traumatic. I think so much of it is your mindset. And I think if you have a growth mindset and you can try to find a way of being like, okay, this happened. It's not what I wanted. It's not what I anticipated, but how can I grow from this? How can I, and, and it's, trust me, in the middle of it, you are not ready to have someone tell you, well, you're going through this really shitty thing. How can you grow? Like it takes a while to get there, (laughs) but when you're able to look back and now I look back and I'm, I'm actually grateful for these experiences because it's, drastically improved my ability to relate to other women. It's increased my empathy. And I recognize the gifts of those experiences because it's it's made me better at what I do. Oh, it's amazing. So for our listeners, um, I would love to end this little busy mumsy chat with some words of wisdom from, for you, from you, that is. Um, wisdom to an expecting busy mumsy whether something that was handed to you, words of wisdom from your mom, or something that you learned along the way? Um, Oh gosh, there's so much. Don't try to do everything on your own. Share your struggles. You're not alone. Ask for help. Showering is not (laughs) (laughs) self-care. Like just shower. Don't feel bad or guilty for being like, I need you to do this so that I can go shave my legs. Like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be, there's no prize for who is the biggest martyr in motherhood, right? I think we need to know that. Yeah. No, that's great advice. And I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with me. And again, just want to say thank you for helping me through my journey. Um, You have no idea how much you did empower me through times that I truly just needed guidance and I didn't know where else to turn. So I thank you for that. I'm, I'm honestly very grateful. That is means that I'm just motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing. So thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, you have a beautiful day. (laughs) Yay. You too. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy Podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. Before we sign off, I have to give one final shout out to the beautiful team over at Ready, Set, Jet, who are my much-loved sponsors for this episode. Myself and Ready, Set, Jet founder, Shalina Vadera, are great friends who connected over two common bonds, a skill for balancing family with entrepreneurship and a deep passion for empowering others to live confidently in their own beauty. So I want you to head to the show notes, click the link, and use the code BUSY30 for a 30% off of your purchase for Ready, Set, Jet. Jet.